Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Louis Monsard. Hey guys. And Robin Nichetti. Howdy. You guys having a good week so far? The world keeps turning. That's a good thing, I suppose. We'll leave it at that. The world <laughs> keeps turning. Um, it's starting to get a bit warmer here in Johannesburg. Uh, the BRICS Summit is currently underway, just up the road yes. in Sandton. Uh, have you guys been hit by that traffic at all? Uh, I have luckily avoided it okay. so far. Uh, luckily not. Yeah, uh, I know a couple of people who got, got stuck in it this week, uh, especially on Bricks. Monday. It was not fun. Should have been in hypertext. We had a story yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, did you guys hear the, the... I know we talked about this in the office, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, did you guys hear the jets fly over Joburg? Mm. Uh-uh. No. No, I didn't. It was very loud. Why do they have jets flying over the, for the Brick Summit? For pomp and circumstance, of course. Just look I don't know. They always whip out, they whip out the jets whenever there's yeah, like a rugby game at Hellas Park. And yeah, we got we got a show off. Yeah, you know? a show of power. Give them that that chias. Yeah. Right, uh, let's get into the news of the week. Louis, you got some news about AI and Universal Music Group, which is very concerning. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a bit out there. Like uh, I, I know for myself, if I'm on, if I'm on YouTube and I'm you know I listen to a lot of music on YouTube while I'm working. Um, every now and then there'll be like an AI song come up, you know, a cover. Vegeta covers Viva La Vida <laughs> from Coldplay. It, it happens. Um, but while those things are kind of, you know, memes and tongue-in-cheek, there is a possibility that actual music made by AI is going to be a thing in the future. Um, there was a song from Drake in The Weeknd that became very popular uh, on social media and on, you know, online, only to, for people to realize... It's not real, you know. It was made using an AI program sampling songs from mm. from both of the artists. Um, and while that kind of started and and uh, it was quickly like downplayed, and you know, people, the Universal, whose who, whose licenses both with the Weekend and Drake, kind of just killed that song. And, yeah. Um, it looks like out of the blue, Universal's actually changing its mind about <coughs> AI music. Probably because there's money to be made. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I was just about to say that exact thing. So YouTube, uh, obviously owned by Google, and Google's very big in the AI space now. They're doing a bunch, bunch of stuff with Bard and all that stuff. YouTube is launching an AI music incubator, right? So basically, what they say in the uh, in the blog post where they kind of announced this whole thing is that they just they they're just looking into it, guys. We just we're just looking into it, guys. We're just doing some research. We just doing. We just kind of taking a, a quick foray into the into the YouTube before we officially announce it. Yes, and launch yeah. it. right. Um, and they have signed Universal Music Group as kind of their uh, their provider of musical talent for this incubator, right? And if I can just run some some of the names that have kind of signed on to be part of the incubator, um, we have rapper Yo Gotti, fame famed rapper. We have uh, Bjorn. Ulveis from ABBA, so one of one of the one of the bees in ABBA. Um, we have Anita, we have Max Richter, and others. But one of the things that kind of stuck out for me, I was one of the people that have signed mm. up for this, is the estate of Frank Sinatra have signed up for the YouTube music AI then generator thing, right? Obviously, Frank Sinatra is not with us anymore, mm. but Universal owns his music. Yeah, right. So what I'm thinking is going to happen when it's part of the YouTube incubator is that YouTube is going to make new Frank Sinatra songs. Yes, yeah, and posthumously released. release them. Stuff. A new AI Frank Sinatra album. Look, okay, so when I was growing up, right, uh, there was kind of this thing that record labels are evil. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it was, as, as a fan of heavy metal music, it, mm-hmm. was, it was all about like the uh, Metal Blade, Napalm, mm-hmm. uh, or Nuclear Blast records, like the indie guys. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to buy an album that was published by Sony, um, BMG, and Universal, or Universal right? right? And now they've just become the villain of my, uh, of my childhood. Right. Like, so, this, is, this is disturbing. So... I was talking about the Drake song and they and Universal took it down. Yeah. Right? Universal took it down, mm-hmm. right? And months later, they just decide, actually, this is a good thing. We're going to be doing this. We're going to send our artists... It's a to, money-making thing. Right? So they took it down, not because of... They said it was a copyright problem. Yeah. Right? But now, recently, we've heard that uh, AI-made art can't be copyrighted because... Yeah. 
it uh, not made by human hands, right? Um, that that goes towards digital art. Maybe the pro maybe later on it'll extend towards music, but we'll see what happens then. So I mean, uh, okay. So the, that's where it gets complicated, right? Because music is complex because you mm. can own the rights. So if we look, just look at, at like Taylor Swift. So she owns the rights to perform her music. She doesn't own the recordings of that music as they originally existed mm -hmm. in like 1989 and all her previous albums. That's why she's now releasing Taylor's version of all of her albums. Yeah. So this just feels like it's going to muddy the water of music ownership and artists owning their music even more. Mm -hmm. So I, why are we letting AI do all the cool stuff while humans are stuck doing taxes? Can't we develop AI that does our taxes and does all the boring stuff so that us humans can do the cool stuff like art? I mean, that's the dream, right? But, I mean, there's money to be made, Brendan. And I mean, you can make money from art. But no, let's, let's have the humans... I, I don't know. This is, this is confusing me. So, yeah, I think uh, there... It's basically like... Uh, right now, it's basically like a... Um, a declaration of intent okay. from YouTube that they're going to be looking at AI music, legitimate AI music. Um, we all know that YouTube Music is a thing. It's one of the biggest competitors for Spotify. It's uh, the, you know it's a music streaming platform, um, and maybe we we'll, we'll can see you know YouTube Music presents Frank Sinatra, AI, a bunch of singing music. about COVID. I am interested to know what the extent of the uh, I guess partnership is because sure they've mentioned like a handful of artists that yeah. they've signed up but does that mean that the AI can still scrape all of Universal's catalog uh, so not, nece sure. not necessarily a Frank Sinatra song but Frank, Frank, Frank Sinatra singing a weekend song for example can we start seeing those kind I mean of those things are already you because then, then, then things get very litigious very quickly you can already see things like that being made by random people on the mm -hmm. internet. You know, Frank Sinatra sings this song, or you know, SpongeBob sings uh, Frank Sinatra's you know, whole album, whatever. You know, these are things that can be done already. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time. You know, <sighs> the future is depressing, man. Like, why are we bringing Frank Sinatra back? Like, shame, poor guy. Let him rest in peace. Anyway, uh, this week, SK Telecom, uh, South Korean telco, uh, published a white paper which was all about 5G, or, sorry, all about 6G, um, and how it's going to prepare for that. It's basically just outlining what 6G needs to accomplish. But within that, uh, there was sort of a report back on 5G, and uh, the, teleco the telco basically said that 5G failed to live up to the hype, to sum it up. Um, so just to read a quote from what they said, even at the time when preparing for 5G services such as autonomous driving, urban air mobility, uh, extended reality, hologram, and digital twin had appeared and expected, but most of them did not live up to expectations. We should have taken a more objective perspective. For example, where the 5G, 5G technology alone could change the future, whether the, the overall environment constituting the service was prepared together. Essentially, what it boiled down to, the reason that 5G has failed to live up to the hype. I don't know, did you, let, before we jump into that, did you, did you guys ever see some of the applications that 5G was built to make possible? Yeah, it was meant to be the IoT enabler, right? Yeah, so things like uh, mining remotely because 5G offers a very see, low latency. Right? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to like one of these trade shows where like Nokia was, for right. example. So they use like a, a balance beam seesaw type thing with a ball uh, to show you the latency. And they drop a ball on in the ideas for the robot to balance the ball. And on like 3G and LTE, it takes a while. But on 5G, it happens almost instantaneously because there's no delay. It's mm. one millisecond right. right or sub one millisecond the problem with this is is that those experiments and those uh, showcases are done in highly controlled environments mm. even when we started seeing the speeds of 5g roll out uh, these were conducted in basically lab conditions with consumer right. Uh, equipment which is basically the size of a desk uh, which is meant to emulate a whole bunch of different uh, like uh, connectivity standards sorry um and, I mean, it's perfect conditions. Mm. In practice, 5G has failed to live up to the expectations. And this is because uh, of a combination of factors. For one, the hardware is not really there yet. Um, while there are 5G phones, these are very basic in their implementation. You're not getting, like, a gigabit per second through your... Uh, through, through your um, 
your connection. Um, and oh, then there's also coverage, right, which is another issue, is that coverage of 5G is kind of spotty in a lot of areas. It also requires uh, network operators to invest more. You can't just simply upgrade your LTE uh, or your, your 2G equipment to now be able to pass around LTE signals. It requires a bit more investment. Um, also because the signal is not as strong, so it needs more base stations. Uh, there's a lot of issues, but essentially 5G hasn't really lived up to the hype that we had for it. i got to ask you though. Yeah. Who was hyping it up? Not us. No, it wasn't it's us. It's companies like SK exactly. Telecom. Exactly. And the funny thing is, is that within uh, SK Telecom's white paper, uh, they kind of do the same thing with 6G. I'm not surprised. Talking about how it will enable urban air mobility, self-driving cars, holographic I watches. I can't believe it. Um, extended reality. It was it was so bizarre to see this because it was like, yeah, no, 5G didn't really live up to those. Sites, I can't believe know. we're already yes, looking issues. at the and next And then 6G thing. was... Yeah, this is what this is how this is going to use, uh, and the reason that I think that they went this route is that six G did kind of help, or five G has kind of helped them a bit. SK Telecom said that uh, in areas where um, where five G is available, uh, people are using fifty percent more data compared to those using LTE, and that comes down to things are loading faster, so you can watch a video a lot quick, or a video will load faster, um, a web page will load faster, so you're going to be using more more data over time um but i thought that was probably the only really interesting thing because it highlights that right these people are driven by profits and it is a great way to improve profits because people are going to be accessing more of the internet but yeah essentially 5g was not as uh not as as great as we as it was hyped up to be and i get it um because like a lot of the stuff that I saw ahead of 5G launching in the build up to 5G, because it's been in development since like 2015, um, a lot of the stuff we saw was just, like I said, it's, it's very sanitized, in a lab, perfect conditions. And that's not how people use these things. I do wonder how much will affect the pandemic had as far as rollouts and things are concerned. Yeah, I'm sure that did have an effect. And as well, I mean, the conspiracy theorists crying about how 5G yeah, burning was... burning down tiles. And yeah, stuff. which obviously didn't help. And then how do you, when everybody thinks that your technology is responsible for a pandemic, uh, I mean, that's bad publicity. There's mm -hmm. no way of getting around it. I think it, it all comes down to profits at the end of the day. Like a mine would rather pay... Uh, the insurance if a miner gets mangled yeah. then have to roll out 5G to make to have automated more automated systems yeah it's better to at say at least in South Africa uh, yeah I mean I think that's true all around the world and also to implement these things it's not just as simple as oh just connect to the internet because yeah. you're going underground there's no signal underground you've got to build that infrastructure out and uh, I mean it's, it's a cool idea yeah. Uh, I mean, we've I saw a couple of videos of like surgeons using it to do surgeries remotely on fruits, not on people. Um, but it it just in a practical application, yeah. would you want somebody sitting in Cape Town operating on you in Johannesburg, and then you hear the the rumble of thunder in Cape Town, and then his internet like, connection also, goes down? That, just oh, like, it's just load shedding. Yeah. Yeah, the, apart from that, surgery is such a delicate process. What if something goes wrong? You know? Yeah. It's, it's a gimmick at the end of the day. You know? It is. It's a cool idea. It's but a cool in idea. Practical, I don't know if it has... Yeah, a, when lives are on the line. Exactly. But yeah, 5G failed to live up to the hype. Robin, uh, you had an interview this week finding out more about cybersecurity skills. Uh, yeah, that's right. So uh, you may have seen uh, any, any kind of avid readers of our website that we have a cybersecurity hub up on uh, Hypertext. And we've kind of been focusing on cybersecurity-related stories as they uh, kind of develop in South Africa. And we got the time to chat with Emmanuel Zinkakis. He's the technical lead for Sub-Saharan Africa at Trend Micro, which is a cybersecurity specialist. And we had the chance to chat to him around skills in South Africa, um, and in particular the the skills that are really needed in industry because, as you know, cybersecurity is a, an industry that's always in flux. It's evolving at a rate that is often difficult to keep track of or rather keep pace with. Um, so we kind of wanted to get his insight as to which kind of skills are really critical in South Africa. Mm. Uh, before that, though, he kind of we kind of touched on the maturity of cybersecurity skills in South Africa. And um, 
This, the, my inner cynic thought that South Africa was pretty far behind as far as cybersecurity skills is compared to the rest of the world. Mm. But according to uh, this trend micro executive, he mentioned the fact that actually South Africa is pretty pretty high up there, especially when you look at us compared to the rest of Middle East and Africa. Um, the problem, however, is that there is a brain drain. So a lot of our skills are leaving the country, uh, whether that be for as a result of kind of poor. Uh, processes being in place at companies in order to retain talent, mm. as well as the, the pure money factor. Uh, mm. Being paid in dollars and euros is far more advantageous than being paid in rands. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a lot of our talent seems to be leaving. Um, he did mention that steps are being taken, but he probably foresees that kind of continuing for quite a long time. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's probably one area that South Africans need to think Sorry. about. Sorry to interrupt, but um, did he mention if people are leaving the country or if they're just taking their skills outside of the country and working remotely? Some are actually leaving. So I guess it's a combination okay, of both. So right. um, Netherlands apparently seems to be snapping up a lot of uh, cybersecurity skill. Well, that's interesting. According to uh, Mr. Tsingarkas. Um, yeah, so it looks like uh, although we are we do have a, a pretty solid talent pool, unfortunately, retention is, is a big issue that uh, South Africa has to worry about. Mm. I think that probably goes for a number of different industries as well. Yeah. Um, as regards the kind of skills that are, I guess, critical at the moment, uh, one thing that he mentioned is that uh, he said that there needs to be greater skill development as regards strategic security planning. Um, so here he mentioned uh, the ability to understand how to implement security, how to implement risk management, uh, implement a framework, how to implement the right policies and processes. So these are skills that um, are kind of critical in order to keep your organization safe. So I feel like a lot of those take time, though. Yeah, so he mentioned that, um, yes, uh, skills that can, there, are, there are skills, core skills that can be picked up, uh, learned at a tertiary institution or via courses that are available throughout uh, other institutions in South Africa. But he said there is that kind of fine mix of skill and experience. Mm. Um, so yeah, a lot of the time it does kind of take, I don't want to say luck, but it does. there is an element of that, mm. uh, that uh, an employer is willing to take a chance on you. Because uh, one of the skills, or rather one of the traits he said, that is often missing is just hard work. And mm. it, it wasn't said in a way to sound arrogant or to kind of degrade uh, the, the talent that's coming into the industry. Mm. It's more to say that um, skills alone aren't going to get you through, aren't going to make you a top cybersecurity expert. Yeah. You kind of have to kind of go above and beyond that if you really want to ensure that you kind of safeguard your organization. And, and I guess that's the kind of skill, that, that's more of a soft skill. Really. Yeah, because yeah. that requires you going out, <laughs> learning more, doing more, like putting place, things in place. Like before there's a problem, React like being proactive about. Sure. Yeah. It's surprising that the most in-demand skills aren't like engineering or coding or you know. It's like actually, it's like you said, soft skills, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing how to organize your team and 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 implement a plan properly. You know, it's like a le more leadership than actually knowing how to to solve uh, or to you know solve a hack or something like that. Well, yeah, I think it kind of makes sense because I mean a lot of your workforce now is working remotely, working mm. working in a hybrid environment. Mm. That does require a little a level of leadership and organization to ensure that you have the right processes in place. It's not simply just kind of plug and play anymore. You have to make sure that your environment is almost agile and flexible enough to kind of handle uh, any kind of myriad of changes that happen. And also, like, I mean, you've got to be able to, you're going to be reacting and working during times where there's huge stress, <laughs> high stress levels, yeah. high risk. So... Like, I think you have to be able to be a good leader in that, in that instance. Like, be able to rally people and get them to do what they need to do without freaking out about it or, like, pointing fingers at who's to blame. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of the time security is thought of as, like, an add-on that the kind of IT person at the office has right. to kind of take care of. I think, well, uh, um, Emmanuel Zingakas kind of mentioned that... Uh, Organizations are starting to take it a lot more seriously now. Uh, digital transformation has kind of forced them to do so yeah. as a result of the pandemic. So yeah, I think this is definitely one of those industries that is going to get a lot of attention moving forward, not just from uh, threat actors, but also those in the industry as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, read the full interview over on Hypertext, uh, as well as all the other stories that we've covered today. 
This week, uh, aside from the very important BRICS summit, it's also the very important Gamescom conference uh, that's happening in, it's in Germany, right? Yes, Colonius. Cologne. Uh, and uh, last night, Jeff Keighley kicked things off. I say last night. I was recording this on Wednesday. So on Tuesday night, Jeff Keighley picked, uh, kicked it, it off. Is he like the guy now? He is the guy. He's been the guy for yeah. a long time. Summer Games Jeff. Yeah. Game, the Keighley Awards, the sure. Jeff Awards. Um, but yeah, Louis, do you want to kick us off? Because you wrote the, uh, the story about this. Sure. Uh, I think... Uh, the biggest game of the year uh, was right on top of, of kind of interesting things. Well, does go through. Uh, well, maybe for me, but for everyone else, uh, it will be Starfield. Um, Bethesda released. Eh. A, uh, I'm, I, well, well, well. I mean, the last the last uh, Bethesda game I played was uh, Fallout 76, mm. which I published with the review. Nobody should play this game. <laughs> so yeah, it's got big shoes to fill. It got big shoes to fill. I mean. Definitely. Uh, I think a lot of people will be looking at... I mean, it's a, it's a big deal for Microsoft, yeah. Starfield. Uh, just business-wise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, they're just acquired Bethesda. Right, they're, and they're, they're looking to sell, to move a lot of consoles. And with, Redfall did not do that. No, Redfall was a, was a flop of notes, right? <laughs> and they really want Starfield to be the big success, you know, especially with the, with, the, with the deal now with Blizzard and Activision. They want more wins than losses in their corner. Um, Starfield just got a new live-action trailer. Um... I would have preferred to see more gameplay, personally. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Then, Especially this close to release. Then, then a live-action trailer showing what, exactly? I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's a guy, and he's flying his ship. And, I mean, it, for me, it was like, okay, it's, it's more of the, what cool. we already knew. It's cool. Show us the gameplay as yeah, well. I want to see something interesting in the game. Yeah. Something that you haven't shown before. Something... Crazy. There's surely something crazy and cool yeah. on one of these thousands of planets that you have, Bethesda, unless... <laughs> unless they're empty, you know? But yeah, hopefully... Yeah, I don't know, like, only... I think Bungie are probably the only ones that do really good live-action trailers. And they days. don't do it anymore, though. They mm. did it for the release of Destiny 1, and I think, like, a few for Destiny mm. 2, but for most of it, it's just CGI and then gameplay. Yeah, I would have liked to see something something interesting, something new. Uh, following up, the next thing is, uh, an, uh, well, the 13th Assassin's Creed game. That's too many. Um, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, I mean, it, it's going to be, the, the 14th one is also in production, which is Assassin's Creed, the, I think it's called Red, I think, or, or the... Um, the code name, yeah, a code name, right? The yeah. one, the one in Japan. I mean, the one that everybody's been asking for. Right. But at this point, I, I don't. I mean, does anybody care if we go to Japan for the next Assassin's Creed? Because, I, I mean, I used to be a big fan of the games, but now I'm just tired, man. As as a weeb, my, yeah. me and my fellow weebs, we care. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, but I mean, for Assassin's Creed Mirage, if we're gonna we go back, I mean, we're going back to a desert location. Uh, we already had Egypt. Now we're having the Middle East, uh, Baghdad. Um, it's is it not different enough? I don't know. Like this so, one. Okay, so I, I'm mildly anticipating this one for yeah. the reason that it's taking place in one city. And I know you can leave the city, and there'll be exploration around the city. Yeah. But I really hope that a lot of the gameplay is focused around Baghdad. Yeah. The reason I say that is because Valhalla was incredibly huge, mm. but because it was so huge, it discouraged me from playing it. Because a lot of the time, you're like riding your horse from town to town, and there's nothing in between. Mm. A couple of open fields, a couple of mobs walking around, but there's not really all that much. You can go exploring, but in the early stages of the game, when you're just starting to explore, yeah. when it's the most exciting to explore, you're kind of capped off because areas are higher level than you are. Mm. So, so, so it definitely wasn't like Odyssey. No, it wasn't like Odyssey at all. Where Odyssey, like Odyssey, did kind of discourage you from exploring, or not really, but they told you oh, this place is a little bit higher level than you. You can still go and explore and stuff, but like if you, and if you found somebody, you could run away. That was like an enemy that were, an NPC that was higher than you. You could run away. But Valhalla, I just felt it was like there was no point in exploring. And when you did get to a cool place, there was usually a dude that was higher level than you guarding it. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. I'm just going to well, carry the on. The thing with Ubisoft is that they are known for their formulaic games, right? The Far yeah. Cry formula. Yeah. You, you, go, you hit a camp, you kill dudes, and you move to the next camp. Move up a, a radio tower. Right. Reveal map. <laughs> right? Same old, same old. I wonder how they're going to manage their formula with, in just one city, right? In just one They'll location. do the same thing. 
They're going to do the same thing with a, there'll be a stronghold with like some gang members in a house. You need Damn. to clear the house. And then there'll be like a little spire on top of a church yeah, that you can you stand on. <laughs> I think you mean a mosque. Ah. So, yeah, a mosque. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Apologies, a mosque. Um, but yeah, they just, I just feel they're going to do the same thing because like you say, they're all about the formula, right? Okay. Next up, we have Black Myth Wukong. Uh, it's being built. I don't know if either of you guys have been following Black Myth Wukong. It's, yeah, it's, it's been in my periphery. Like six years. It's, it's, been been in, <laughs> it's been in development for a million years, right? Um, it's being built as the first AAA game out of China. I think in, in that sense, uh, it's being built on Unreal Engine 5. But in that sense, I think it's the money that's being thrown at the game. Mm. Um, I think... Is the Chinese government backing? I think the developers have ties with the Chinese government. Okay. Uh, um... I think so. I think there were some stories about We stand to be corrected, but we I mean, stand to be corrected. If, you, if you're getting a lot of money thrown at you in China, there's a very good chance that the government is helping you out. Yeah, um, it, there, it's being published by the, the developers, you know, so um, it's, it's their own thing. They're not looking at, uh, you know, um, Bandai Namco or someone else to publish the game. Um, and uh, I mean, the, this is another trailer. There's been a lot of trailers for this game. Um, there's, there's more gameplay. It looks good. It looks really good. Yeah. The look wise. Looks too good, actually. Yeah. It actually looks too good. Oh, that's that's worrying. I mean, it's. <laughs> it's but it's Unreal Engine 5, though. Yes. And that is a very, very good basis. So I can understand why it probably looks too good. So, yeah, more crazy visuals, more insane monsters, more just over the top combat. I still don't know what the hell this game is about. Or it's, it's a monkey game. It's Journey, right? the West, Journey to the West, right? Yes, it is. Oh, it's supposed to be, right? You play a song Wukong and... Uh, you get to fly around on a cloud like Goku. You also get to tra- transform into different animals. In one of the previous trailers, you were you transformed into a fly or a bee. What? And in this one, there's a little bit of gameplay as a snake in okay. the grass. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of systems and features and weird stuff that you can do and boss fights. It's basically like a bot from what I can from what I can see is like a boss fight rush vibe. Uh, have you guys ever played a Chinese game? Like a like a game that's published or or ever seen a game that's published in China? Mm-mm. I feel like there's very they're very infamous for their grindy nature and their technicality. It's okay. not easy to grasp these things. So many years ago, I had a friend who was from Taiwan and he used to play games exclusively that came okay. from China, right? And he tried to explain a game to me one time. Mm. And I t- when I tell you that you needed like a full degree to understand what was happening, mm. I'm not even joking. So I wonder if this game is going to suffer from that because in China, it's pretty easy to, or it's pretty normal to have a very complex game that's right. like very deep in terms of its systems and what you can do with it so I wonder if this is going to work and if that translates to a western market well, as for well for me it smells like feature bloat you know oh you can transform and you can do this and there's stealth and there's RPG mechanics and there's boss fights and there's you know there's only so much you can do well I mean does it, if they execute it that's great yeah right? if they execute great absolutely because then I mean we're talking about the feature blood, we'll talk about the game shortly, but mm. Cyberpunk had that same thing leading right. up to the release. And we know what happened when it got launched. So they, yeah. yeah, best of luck to them. I hope best they of, best of luck to Game Science uh, on Black Game Science? Yes, the game is coming out in winter uh, next year. Okay. So it's still is quite a bit. Northern winter. I it's our winter. Our winter. Yeah, oh, so okay. it's still quite a bit of, of uh, winter coming up, of, of development rather. Um, Do you think it'll be on Game Pass? Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> doubt it. I very much doubt it. Uh, I think it's actually coming out on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't think it would come out on Game Pass, like for Game Pass. Oh, well, like that. We would require Microsoft, an American company, mm. working with uh, what's it, Game Science, Game a Chinese Science. company. Yeah, yeah. Oil and water. Talking about, uh, we were talking about earlier about Microsoft and Activision. Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three. We got a campaign trailer for the game, um, and I think I mentioned. You mean a cinematic? As I was just gonna say I, I mentioned this earlier. It can't. It just. It's. It can't be gameplay. It's just too clean. It's. It's. They have a crosshair on the screen and they have a UI up, right? That's yeah. Right. That doesn't mean that it's gameplay. No, no. Not no. nowadays. No. Right. <laughs> I mean, everything is so formulaic. I mean, if this is the game. You, it's basically, it's, it's like I'm watching a movie. You're like led on a rail. You do this. You kill this guy. You, this guy, one of your teammates kills the other guy. You, I mean, also, there's a lot of not playing involved. Yeah. <laughs> right? Your teammate 
kills two of the guys, you kill one of them, and your teammate throws the beacon that summons your other guys to come, and your teammate does the... Yeah, that's not gameplay. That's, like, so scripted. It's Ubisoft gameplay. Yeah. It's, get him on the left. I He's mean, on the flank. Uh, on, in this day and age, when boomer shooters are coming back, and yeah. you know, we have Doom Eternal, which is, like, really fun, mm. skill-based shooting and craziness... I mean, Call of Duty campaign, really? Like, I mean, it's because, uh, the, going back to the Modern Warfare storyline, right? Yeah. I mean, I, when I saw them reveal the big bad in the teaser, I was like, oh, okay, that's sort of interesting. Yeah. I thought he died. I mean, I, I guess it's, it's just a, it's a vehicle to provide more updates to uh, Warzone yeah. and just keep people fueling that, that, the, money that cycle. the money machine. Yeah. yeah. And the ghost memes. Yeah. Lots of ghost memes. But I don't know. Is that even a thing anymore? It, uh, it, I mean, we... What I do want to mention about this, yes. though, is that... Uh, I'm, is this not being built on the same engine now? Like, the next couple of Call of Duty games are all built on the same engine. Because this game, I believe, one of the things they said is that you could carry your progress over... Interesting. ...from previous games to this game. What progress will you be carrying So, like, like if your you, multiplayer, stuff. multiplayer stuff, yeah. Okay. So, essentially, it, it's the what Call of Duty players have been asking for for mm. many, many years. I stand to be corrected, but I believe that this game is going to be the first one that allows you to do that. And moving forward, all developers, so whether it's uh, Infinity Ward or Sledgehammer, mm. um, or whoever else develops a game, they're going to be using the same engine throughout. Right. So there's a bit of continuity throughout that. And I'll, I'm curious to see how that plays out, because that could be interesting. I think, uh, again, it'll, it'll set a lot of... Copies. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's Call of Duty. People will be super into the multiplayer, and it'll definitely be the best-looking Call of Duty game if it looks anything like this trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then now we get to Cyberpunk 2077, um, Phantom Liberty. There's a, it's, the hype train is in full speed. Let me tell you. I don't care. You I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that person to say that, like, the state that this game released in. I just want everybody to remember, right? Because I had a conversation with a friend about this recently. They were like, how can you say that? I'm like, do you not remember when the game was pulled from the PlayStation Store for months yeah, it was broken. because it was unplayable, yeah. right? Does nobody remember the fact that CD Projekt Red said no review codes out to console players? Because in they knew. They knew. They it, took your money. Yeah. They knew you couldn't play this game, and they took your money. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> no. But, but, no but. No but. I recently replayed it. I think I've told you guys. Uh, played it on PS5 again. Uh, full campaign. Nearly 100%ed it. Uh, but... Uh, Several crashes. Yeah. So that still seems to be a problem. So it's, no. still, it's still kind of hanging on. Yeah, by no, it's, it's a no from me. It's, uh, I will wait for reviews. They uh, don't get my money until the sale. So Phantom Liberty, apart from being a new story expansion, is supposed to be... I'm thinking it's like the, finish, the finishing the game. The game is unfinished. <laughs> Famously, un infamously unfinished. They're finishing the game now. They're going to add a bunch of new features. The Relic, they showed it off for the first time here in, in the Gamescom yeah. trailer. The, the new relic skills, which basically, the new relic skills are basically, you use the, the, the soul killer yeah. to access or to like access overdrive features of your cyberware. Yeah. Right? So your, gori your gorilla, arms, yeah, the gorilla yeah. arms, yeah. You, can, you can, one of the relic skills, it goes into overdrive and apparently you do more damage or something. I'm not sure. You can't really okay. tell from the, you know, and your, the rocket arm thing that you get also yeah. is, is more powerful now so uh, that's what they're doing with the relic skills it's more powerful than when they launched it and it was bugged and it stunned everything I don't think so I don't think so, so you know, no. that was the most powerful version <laughs> <laughs> but I mean if you can get past Brandon the fact that it was broken and CD Pro can we not trust CD Projekt no we can't because like this is the thing right is companies like this need to earn back our trust mm. and showing a few flashy trailers and some reworked stuff mm. that should have been in the original game when it launched no right you have to work hard just like Todd sweet little lies Howard yes. has to work hard That's to right. earn my trust back like CD Projekt Red needs to do the same mm. they took our money they took our money. They didn't provide a discount after the fact saying, yes. sorry, the game was broken. We're working on it. They took my money. Mm -hmm. I pre-ordered that game. I gave them my trust. They squandered it. They don't get it again until they prove that they are yeah, back but up to it. No, but remember the DLC for Wild Hunt 3? Yeah. 
so yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. That's one. The Witcher Three is one of my favorite games ever. But does everybody remember The Witcher One? No, because nobody played it back in the nineties. Does anybody remember The Witcher Two? Yes, I it was awful. No, 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 no. no. It was awful. No, no. It was awful. We'll save this conversation for later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. Okay, so many new features, new skills, revamped AI. The police actually chase you now. Idris, okay. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. I will log into the game, the copy of the game that I have without the DLC when this launches. Yes. All right. And if I find that okay, everything's great. I'm enjoying this. There's not much. If I find a need to play it, then I'll buy it mm. and maybe on sale. But ah, man, I've been burned too many times by developers at this point. I'm tired of giving my money to them. They can wait. Have a little faith. <laughs> Ye of little faith. Okay, the next one is uh, another trailer for Mortal Kombat 1. Um, it seems that NetherRealm is just churning out new characters and new things and new locations. They're just the busiest developer in the world. They, I mean, it's, uh, the new trailer shows off um, General Shao. General Shao. Which is supposed to be Shao Kahn. Okay, so obviously Mortal Kombat 1 resets yeah. the entire famously crazy Mortal Kombat universe, right? Which I think is a good move. Right? And they now it's kind of more mm, Hollywood, right? You know? Yeah. More Hollywood. More kind of poppy or pop culture in the way that it it's kind of shows off this I think it's it's also just more distinct more right? structured like, as well yeah because like I think beforehand like before Mortal Kombat 1 like if you're new to the series you're yeah. not like us who grew up with Mortal Kombat games you don't really know who like yeah. Shao Kahn is and what's right? what's the relation between Raiden and Liu Kang and yeah all like characters? Sub-Zero and Scorpion yeah, like yeah. we know that there's this rivalry but you don't but know why yeah, yeah. Right. so I think it's a good good way to introduce or bring new people into the into the mm-hmm. uh, into the universe yeah. right so the, the news trailer shows off General Shao uh, so Shao Kahn famously had a warhammer that he used to beat people up mm. with and you know <laughs> green energy shoulder shards whatever uh, now he has a battle axe that he's that they're showing off in the in the combat yeah it looks cool um, his wife or his ex-wife or his uh, I don't know what what's the relationship <laughs> now yeah uh, Sindel which is <laughs> the mother of Kitana is also in the in she gets a, a version of herself in, in, in Mortal Kombat 1. I don't know if she's undead anymore. I don't know. I don't know what's she going on. She looked pretty on. alive. Yeah. Th- yeah. Because the, the whole thing was that she was killed. And then uh, Quan Chi. Now we're, getting some, oh, gosh. now we're getting some Mortal Kombat lore. Quan Chi brought her back because uh, to, to be as uh, Shao Kahn's concubine. Right? I'm sure that... Okay, let, let's assume that she's living. Right. Because if this is the first one in a new story they're telling, maybe they, that will happen again. Right, right, right. Right? So, yeah, she's back. She Her hair is crazier than ever, and uh, it looks really cool. Um, and we also get to see some new cameo characters. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the ones that kind of made sure to show off a lot with uh, Sindel and, and General Shao and the kind of the outworld vibe, mm. you know? Uh, is the centaur guy, Motaro. Motaro. Yeah, he's like this centaur guy, and he's he's kind of he has like machine parts, you know, by kind of biotechnology going on, and he has like a scorpion tail, um, and he's there and he's beating people up. And also, uh, one of the things that got like an audible uh, reaction out of me was Sindel's new X move. I don't know if it's called X move yeah. anymore, the X-ray move. Okay, yeah. Right? Where she kind of throws you around with her hair and she uses her hair to kind of split your legs. And I'm like, ooh, it's, you know, very visceral. Uh, you know, rip your, 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 your thighs out of your, your sock and your pelvis. Um, it's crazy. It's more Mortal Kombat. Uh, I don't know. We'll Give see. us a bit of Raiden. We'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Raiden. Uh, yeah, Raiden. not my Raiden. No, not my Raiden. <laughs> Hashtag not my Raiden. Not very, my Raiden either. Very disappointed uh, with the Raiden. Just, yeah, they need to do better in that sense. But otherwise... As, like it's weird. Some of these characters, especially like Sindel and Shao Kahn or whatever, they look like their old counterparts. There's something yeah. relatable to them. The Raiden, it looks like a weird palette swap. With maybe, maybe they're still going through. He still has to get struck by lightning. And but he has lightning powers. Oh, well, then I have not. He's just idea. a guy now. So Raiden, famously white-haired, you know, kind of mystical. Kung Fu Gandalf. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Kung Fu Gandalf. Now he's just a dude. Now he's just a guy. You know? Your, yeah. your Asian best friend, Raiden. 
Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, we have a little bit, but do you mind if I jump Yes, in? go for it, uh, go for it. So, Destiny, the decade-long franchise, or next year will be a decade, yes. um, yeah. is reaching its conclusion next year in February with the final shape. Crazy. Um, Bungie showed off uh, what fans can expect. Basically, players will be going into the Traveler, the big orb, um, and it's described as kind of the traveler and life and beauty on one side and absolute chaos and destiny madness on the other side. Um, but players will be going through a uh, linear level this, this time around. Rather than the area that you get to explore freely and roam around, mm. uh, there's now a linear path that players will take. Uh, towards something called the Pale Heart. Um, and that was something that was mentioned at the end of The Witch Queen. Um, the witness says, your pale heart holds the key. Mm. We've now learned that the witness is the big bad behind everything in the Destiny universe. It hates that the universe is chaotic and unpredictable, and it wants to calcify it into a final perfect shape. Um, and Guardians or players in Destiny will need to prevent this. How exactly that's going to happen, we don't know. Um, there's, there was a lot of talk about uh, the future of Destiny, um, but I do want to just focus on this a little bit. So essentially players will do a campaign as per usual in the final shape, uh, which will culminate in the raid. Players won't be dispatching of the witness in the, the campaign. That will be reserved for the raid. However, um, in a post-show after the presentation yesterday... So if I just interject there... Mm. Yes. You only kill the witness in the raid. Well, this is the thing, right? So Bungie was very, like, they skirted around the topic a lot. But one thing they said is that you're not getting rid of the witness in the main campaign. Because the problem with that is that if you look at, like, the Witch Queen, we killed off Savathun sure. in the campaign, which if you played on the easiest difficulty was, like, you threw one super at her and she was done. So they don't want to have that. They want it to be this... It's a slog to get rid of this guy. Mm. However, in the post-show kind of discussion, there was talk about uh, from Joe Blackburn, the game director, that you don't need to participate in the raid to get the conclusion of the story. So what I think is we're going to have something that was similar to what happened in Forsaken, where the wish there was the last wish, and once that was completed, it kicked off a series of events. Right, that then there was a curse, there was a dungeon, the Dreaming City was explorable, there was a whole bunch of stuff that mm. was made possible once that raid was completed. Um, I'm now going to go into a bit of leaks or sp potential leaks, we don't know, so hashtag spoilers, but apparently there's been a leak that the whole raid is a fight with the witness. It's not just like you get to one boss, you get to another boss. It's basically three-phase fight against the witness. And what I suspect is going to happen is that we'll have a big community event which will play out over the course of a couple of weeks where players will essentially empty magazines into the witness in a battle. We kind of trap him and we, we dispose of him through... Because Bungie loves doing community events and a big one where every player gets to participate in getting rid of this big bad is something I feel that you'll be able to hear. Here comes the jet, by the way. Anyway. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think that that's how they're going to play it, is by turning this last expansion, rather than we're telling a story, is to bring everybody together. Because there was a lot of emphasis on everybody, all Guardians, everybody in the universe working together to get rid of this big bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it does seem, it has piqued my interest. However, um, Bungie is not in the best space at the moment in this community. Well, within the community. Um, players feel like they've just become very stingy and very greedy at the same time. So, yeah, we'll have to see. This is Many have said that this is make or break. Mm. And this first tease was interesting, but they're going to have to share more with us in order for folks to uh, hand over their money. So you mentioned this is, this is possibly the end of the Destiny 2 story, right? Well, it's the end of the, the light versus dark story. Mm. So over the course of the... Since the first game, we've had the light which Guardians wield, and mm -hmm. then the darkness, which Guardians have just started to wield. And we've now learned that light and darkness are just names for different types of powers. Okay. And the real battle has been between the Witness and the Traveler. Right. And now that story is going to reach its conclusion. And where we go to after here, yeah. I don't know. I don't think that there is room to go anywhere. A new expansion. 
I mean, a new expansion, but who? Expand Who's, to what? To what? Because mm. now the, the, whole, the whole battle is over. It's like after Thanos, does anybody care about the MCU? I certainly don't. It's right. the same thing here, is that they're going to have new episodes, which will take the, the place of seasons, uh, which will play out over four-month stretches. Um, and I, I just feel like it, there might be something there for hardcore fans, but I think for the most part, it's just going to be a... It's the end of Destiny, and yeah. So you think, uh, what, Bungie will just move on to Marathon? And I think that they should. I think that Bungie should should invest where it can into Marathon, have mm -hmm. a small team working on Destiny just to make sure that those who want to play it and want to continue playing that, that game, the PvP, the PvE the stuff. The servers are up. And yeah, just make sure that that stuff's maintained, kind of start lowering down your update cadence or slowing down your update cadence and just kind of... Yeah, Fading out let it go. Let it, yeah. let it let it age gracefully and disappear with a little bit more grace. Then ah, let's let's plug this and try and get more more money out of it. Right. Because there is potential for a Destiny three, but I don't think that it should be something that's released right after or announced even for the next couple of years. I don't think so either. But for me, the problem with a Destiny three is you have players that have dedicated a decade yeah. worth of money and time into a title yeah and then for you to spin up a sequel and say start again yeah that'll be crazy that I'll already be... did not go well down go down well in destiny yeah. 2 yeah in yeah. destiny 2 people were pissed like i mean there was a good explanation for it it was like you were you were basically killed off and killed and like dispatched from your city mm. but i mean it was just it felt bad for veteran players. So, yeah, that's a good point, is that if they do Destiny 3, it has to be able to carry on, like, your, your progress or your items. And I don't think that will happen. So I do think it's just, call it a day. Yeah. Call it a day. Don't be, don't be World of Warcraft. Don't be Blizzard. Yeah, don't be like that, man. Yeah, just let it, let it die gracefully and be like, you know what, we made one of the best first-person shooters in the world. You know? Die. Just, just, yeah, just let it go. I think there's something to that. There's something to just ending gracefully. Yeah. Um, so, okay, moving back to the rest of the game, the Gamescom stuff. There was a bunch of other uh, trailers and videos. We saw something from Taken 8, uh, Sonic Superstars, you know, the new Sonic game, mm. uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, a, a new game called Crimson Desert, uh, new, new kind of RPG vibes. There's a lot of cool stuff. Um, and there was also one film trailer yeah. that was shown doing Gamescom. Okay, what, what film is this? Right. Some sort of video-themed game, video game-themed movie, right? No. <laughs> it is a completely original sci-fi story Okay. from the genius of Zack Snyder. All right, it's called Rebel Moon Part 1. Oh, gosh, okay. So he's already calling it Part 1. Okay, so we already know this is going to be a multiple-parter. Yeah. Multiple-parter. Um, it was, uh, it's, it's a Netflix film. Um, it's coming out in December, um, and we finally got the first look at. I mean, if this is the trailer is an extensive collection of things that are <laughs> okay. It looks like four different movies. It's, what? It's, yeah, there's like there's okay. There's parts where there's like uh, imperial dudes in in suits of like uh, kind of Dune style. Yeah. House Atreides vibe, and all of a sudden there's like an, a Japanese village. And I, no, it's barbarians in this. Uh, and no, it's no. Actually, no, it's this. And I know it's that. And that's the right. whole trailer. I mean, it has to be seen to be believed. It's a lot of stuff. And I don't know if the trailer covers just the first part, or if it's the second part, or if it's all parts together. But there's a lot of stuff. So Zack Snyder is directing the movie. He worked on the screenplay. It's his original story, right? Okay. Uh, he's producing it, um, and he's doing the cinematography. This is Zack Snyder. This is his. This is his magnum opus, baby. Okay, but... Um. <laughs> he always does this. I don't know if you guys remember a movie called Sucker Punch. Yes. There are three yes. different plot lines in that movie. It was so complex and needlessly convoluted, it just took away from all the great visuals of the film. Right. He's, done it, he's, he's doing it again. He, he is doing it it's, again. It's, yeah, it's more... Even if you're a fan of his work... Yeah. You're going to get it. I okay. promise you. Lots there, of slow-mos. In the trailer, there's so many slow-mos already. <laughs> I was like, oh, here we go. More slow-mos than the whole of the Justice League I extended cuts. I just want to go down the names of some of these characters. Because okay. I think this movie will be the... 
like just sci-fi the movie just the most sci-fi sci thing movie, yeah. right so the main character's name is Cora okay right? played by Sofia Butella which is a nice a pretty lady yeah um Jimon Hansu is is another character he's he's playing general Titus oh he sounds that's a general's name there's a <laughs> there's another character called Kai there's one character called Nemesis, oh, who is a cyborg swordmaster. A cyborg swordmaster. Did Elon Musk write this plot point? There's this Devra Bloodaxe. Devra what? Yeah, Bloodaxe. There's another character called Admiral Atticus Noble. I mean, these are just the most stereotypical, just cool What's sounding it called? Names. What's the name? Rebel Moon. Okay. Part one, a I child that, of fire. That could, that, that's child fire. A child of fire. A child of fire. Yes. Oh gosh. I wonder if this, this sounds a lot like a Brendan Sanderson novel, if I'm honest. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, if, if I'm just going to read the premise off of Wikipedia. And, and, and you, go, you guys tell me what you think. It's in a universe controlled by the corrupt government of the mother world. The moon of Velt is threatened by the forces of the Imperium. The army of the mother world, controlled by Regent Belisarius. Okay, that's the, the Imperium, right? Mm. Okay. Cora, a former member of the Imperium who seeks redemption for her past in the leadership of the oppressive government, tasks herself to recruit warriors from across the galaxy to make a stand against the mother world's forces. All right, so it's basically Dune meets Samurai 7. Yes. All right. Meets uh, every other sci-fi yeah. from, from the last decade. <laughs> yep. I oh, mean, there's, there's not lightsabers. There are laser swords. Laser swords. Yeah, I saw them in the trailer and I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, they're called laser swords. I don't know, but you, you can't call them lightsabers. That's copyrighted. No, yeah. It's a Star Wars thing. They oh, have gosh. laser swords in the movie. So, I well, mean, I mean, good luck to Zack Snyder and Netflix. Um, I'd know better than to trust Netflix to deliver absolute bangers, especially if they're from the States. I feel like Netflix's best stuff comes from outside of the US. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Rebel Moon, baby. Rebel, Rebel Moon. Moon. We got a trailer at Gamescom. Check it out in the article uh, that we have put up. It is uh, insane, to say the least. <sighs> yeah. Right. So there's a lot of Gamescom. Um, obviously, we've, we're recording this on the Wednesday. So if there's any other major announcements, you're not going to hear about them. Uh, but uh, thanks for tuning in nonetheless. Uh, from myself, Brendan Lodge, Cheerio, from Louis Monzon. Bye, guys. And from Robin Nichesi. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.